1839, the London Missionary Society uh, decided to send uh, two gentlemen, John Williams and James Harris, uh, to New Hebrides Island. This was an unchartered island with tens of thousands of people that they knew nothing about. On November 20th of 1839, those two gentlemen arrived at the island. They stepped off onto the shore and they were killed and eaten by cannibals. It was hard for them to recruit new volunteers to head there, as you could imagine. Finally, though, many, many years later, decades later, a guy by the name of John G. Patton raised his hand. And he said, I will go. And the people in his church tried to dissuade him. They tried to say, don't go. One elderly man said, you will also be eaten by cannibals. Here's what John G. Patton replied. Quote, I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. Patton went there with his wife, who was with child, and his wife and child died from a, a disease shortly after getting there. He went back home for a little while. He remarried. Him and his new wife came back to the island, and they served there well over 40 years. He lost his second wife to a sickness, and he continued to serve. It is said that every single person on that island heard the name Jesus, and a majority of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. Serving God, serving our Lord Jesus, is not a guarantee of an easy life. But we're called to live a life of service. A life that means giving everything else up because of who Jesus is. Matthew 16, 24 says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Patton obviously was a tremendous example of faith. A tremendous example of just being faithful to the calling of God. And we're going to dig in... Uh, in a new series, Jacob, oh, there we go. We're going to dig into a new series uh, in Hebrews. And we're going to look at people who were faithful, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to the calling that God put on their life. 
We're going we're gonna to spend 16 weeks going through this sermon series all the way until September 2nd. And we're uh, extremely excited about it. We're going we're gonna to focus in on one common factor. Being people of faith to Jesus Christ. Keeping our faith, focusing on our faith to Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me as uh, we begin this journey? Heavenly Father, we ask a blessing uh, upon uh, this entire series that you can uh, teach us, each of us, how to love you more, uh, how to serve you more, and how to uh, understand our faith in you more, how to lean in you, how to be more faithful because of who you are, not because of what we do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are looking at the book of Hebrews, uh, but we're not going to go into the whole book of Hebrews. Uh, maybe we'll do that someday, but we're going to focus in on Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to, uh, for all these 16 weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. Hebrews chapter 11. Some people call it the hall of faith, the honor roll of the faithful, the honor roll of the Old Testament saints, the faith chapter. Or maybe you know it as the heroes of the faith. Whatever you call it. It is a chapter that, that is, is the, the goal of, of, of Hebrews is the audience are Jews. It's written to the Hebrews. People who are, who are Jews who have given their life to Jesus Christ. And so now the author, maybe an apostle, an associate of the apostles. We don't know the author. But, but it's written to, to these believers, and, and, and it's trying to say, okay, we understand that you have the history of serving Yahweh, serving God Almighty, and you know uh, what, what it means to be a good Jew, what it means to, to follow the rules and, and to go to the special feasts and to make sure that you're fully involved with all of that. But what, what I want to do, this is what the author is saying, what I want to do is help you to understand that it's not about what you're doing. It's about your faith in God. And then he says, and this is chapter 11, and this is, he's guiding us towards that, and he's saying, hey, he didn't say that. He's saying, Look at all these people. You're familiar with all these people. In chapter 11, all these different people, you're familiar with all of them. Look at it. They were not counted, their salvation isn't counted as great because of their great works, but because of their faith. That's why. You know, all the people would, would know Moses and Abraham and Enoch they would have known the faithfulness of, of David and Goliath. But they probably were having trouble just understanding exactly what it means to live by faith. 
because they're in a system of works. They're in a system of doing stuff. And then the author takes right from Habakkuk. He goes right to the Old Testament, takes from Habakkuk. Uh, he says in Hebrews 10.38, My righteous ones shall live by faith. You see, the whole goal he's trying to do is he's trying to say, there was an old covenant. Now there's a new covenant. And this is how you need to live your life. You guys are Christians. You guys love Jesus Christ. And because of the death of Jesus Christ, you no longer live under that old covenant. You are under the new covenant. You see, they understood that sin demanded a sacrifice. And so in Hebrews, the author is saying, Jesus was the absolute perfect sacrifice. Absolutely perfect. Jesus, in fact, was the superior sacrifice over anything else. Jesus was above any man. Jesus was above any prophet. Jesus was uh, the high priest. No one is or ever will be a better mediator to God Almighty. It's Jesus Christ. One pastor, he put it, put your faith in Jesus Christ. He is in every sense superior. Well, the author of Hebrews is trying his utmost to explain that salvation comes through faith, not the system of works that they were so used to. He needed them to understand that because he knew that they were believers. He knew that they trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they still had a lot of old ways sticking with them. The audience, the Jews who were reading this, you know, I, I got to thinking, maybe us too. They had the thought that you earn salvation. That you actually... If you do good stuff, you can get into heaven. If you're good enough, you can go to heaven. You can't be good enough. You can't be a nice enough neighbor. You can't give enough to others. You can't serve enough. You can't love enough. You can't sacrifice enough to get into that narrow gate of heaven. You can't. It required a perfect sacrifice. It required Jesus Christ. Majority of people today, I bet if we really dug in, uh, in, in our society, would say that they could go to heaven if they're better than somebody else or if they're good enough. And that... Friends, just is not the truth. That's not the truth in Scripture. Jesus requires perfection. God, the Father, requires a perfect person in order to go to heaven. And how do we go to heaven? We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have faith in his death and his resurrection and his ascension. And then Jesus advocates for us and says, they're okay. They're with me. And then God the Father sees them, sees us as his son. 
It was and still is necessary to teach people the reality of salvation in faith alone. That's what Hebrews is about. And in order to fully understand this, in order to fully embrace this, the author knew that he had to show the, the, the readers what this actually meant. How do you explain faith? How do you explain faithfulness? You give them pictures. You give them illustrations. You help them see it through the lives of other people that they already know. That's what they did. The NASB says in Habakkuk 2.4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. I'm going to look at four simple things, but yet I think extremely profound uh, ways that we can live out uh, as people who have complete faith. Complete faith. And I don't want you to live a life where, where you think you need to be perfect. Or you think you need to do everything exactly uh, as it, it was written down to do. Uh, sometimes we beat, we beat ourselves up and we say, oh my goodness, why am I making that mistake over and over and over? And, and then you feel shame and then you don't want to proclaim the, the gospel. Now I'm not trying to give you guys a, a get out of jail free card because sanctification, being perfect is the goal. But none of you, none of the pastors, none, no people in the world will ever achieve that. We are to strive towards sanctification because we love our Father. We love Jesus Christ, and we do it because we love Him. We love to honor Him. That's why we strive for perfection, but we don't do it in a, in a realm where, where we put ourselves in a box. And you know what? Frankly, you don't want to miss out on all the opportunities where you do mess up. Because on those opportunities where you do mess up, there's a ton to learn there. There's a ton to gain and a ton of maturity that can be uh, found in those mistakes. All right, we're going to dig in. Three verses in Hebrews chapter 11. Three verses. Starting with verse 1. Now faith, this is from the ESV. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their accommodation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, and I normally don't do this, but I'm going to read uh, from... Uh, the version that I spent my first five years uh, studying, the New King James Version. Some of you may have studied that as well, as well, maybe the King James for some of you. But here's the New King James Version. I like a couple of these lines, the way, uh, the way the translators put it. Now, faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I like this one in verse 2. For by it the elders, for by it the elders 
obtained a good testimony. I like how they put elders there uh, looking forward at the leadership. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Substance, I like that word. Uh, elders, powerful words, highlighting the leadership. All right, the first thing that we can do in our lives in order to live with complete faith is to have the utmost confidence in God. That's the first thing. Have the utmost confidence in God Almighty. Assurance, confidence. How can we have the utmost confidence in God? How can we trust that what he is, uh, has said and what he does? I, I think of Noah. Think of Noah. Noah was in a time and a place where there was no rain. And yet, he heeded the word of God. And he built an ark in a place where, where a, a boat was not needed. And, and it took total confidence in God. 120 years were taught that it took him to build the ark. 120 years. I was talking with Judy, my new friend, and, and uh, her father-in-law, is it your father-in-law, is 100 years old. Mother-in-law is 98. 120 years he spent building this boat. During that time, he was ridiculed, I'm sure, by lots of people, Probably his family. You know, we have problems sometimes if we're ridiculed just slightly. And we think it, our, our life has, has been shaken. And yet, he stayed faithful because he was confident. He was assured because it was God who spoke to him. We need to put our faith in action. That's what Noah did. You know what? That shows our confidence. Noah was a man who put his faith into action. His faith, and I think I say this later in my sermon, his faith is a noun. And then he turned that into action. And that's crucial for us. That's a, that's a way we show our confidence in who God is. Not because uh, we, we are doing it uh, to show our friends how good we are or how great we are. We do it because of our absolute and utmost confidence in who God is and what he has promised us. God has promised us wonderful blessings, wonderful, great things. We put our confidence in him because we love him. Do you? Do you love God so much that you put your confidence in him? Do you love to serve him? You know, I, I personally, I gained so much confidence in God 
through my reading of Scripture. I, I, I mature and I gain more confidence the older I get in who God is and his, in his promises. And God speaks to me through his word. And when I'm praying and, and, and asking for guidance from him, I want to know the Father more. I want to I study who he is, and I want to I embrace that more and more. You know, I think about it. It's kind of like me wanting to know my wife more. I study her, and I, I, I try to figure out what is she like, and, and I, don't, I do that because I just love her. And, and you know what? Sometimes I even take notes so I can remember it. We're at the Illinois Math and Science Academy last year or the year before and uh, at a volleyball tournament in Aurora, and I was going to go get lunch, Chipotle. I like Chipotle. And, uh, and when I was going there, Sherry said, hey, can you go to Starbucks and pick me up a drink? And I said, yeah, what do you want? And I couldn't remember what she... I heard she liked some, some new drink there, and, and so I took notes what it was. And, you know, I, I literally put it in my notes on my phone, and so the next time I looked at my phone, and I, I, I surprised her with one. But today, if I go to Starbucks, I'm going to get a venti, strawberry refresher, light ice, and I know that because I've studied it. I wrote it down. I thought about it. I didn't have to use my notes to do it now because I've hid it. Just like God's word. I hide things in my heart because I love God so much. I, I, I am passionately in love with him that he drives my life. He controls my life because of my love for him. And it is a great honor. It is a great honor. I like where it says, our faith is the substance of what we hope for. The substance. It's just a beautiful word. And what is that substance? It's our second point. We need to have certainty in things unseen. Certainty in things unseen. Let's read the verses once again. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So here's a funny story. Two weeks ago, at our pastor meeting, uh, we have pastor meetings on Mondays after school. I'm on my way there, and, and, and I grab uh, baked potato from Wendy's. It's right on my way, uh, heading up towards Sugar Grove. I like baked potatoes. And, and Tim, Pastor Tim, has instituted a rule that if you stop at a restaurant, you pick him up a burger or anything. 
yeah, a couple of you guys work uh, for Pastor Tim as a caterer, so. Uh, well, background. That day, Tim messages me while I'm at school. I, I, I teach school right now as well. And, and he messaged me, says, pick me up food today, please. And I immediately say, no problem. Well, then Pastor Keith, our executive pastor, he sends out an email to all the pastors, says, hey, I'm going to do pizza today, guys. And I'm like, oh, okay. Keith's got me covered. So then I start panicking a little before school gets out, and I say, uh, Keith, did you get pizza? Because sometimes they'll say something, they forget, or they decide to do something different. Keith goes, no, but if you're asking about Tim, I got him a sandwich. <laughs> oh, it gets funnier. I said, perfect. So I go to Wendy's, get my baked potato. I'm pumped. And it's going to stay nice steaming hot. I got the butter on top already, and I'm going to take that for the next 20 minutes to Sugar Grove. I pull in. We're, we're going to have a meeting outside. Beautiful day out. I pull around to the gym because people are coming in. We had it out in the main area, and everybody walked past us. And so they, they moved it over by the gym. Some of you guys know the visual. So I, I'm pulling in with the red van, and, and Tim, like a little tiny kid. Tim's not little tiny. <laughs> Tim is like, yes! I'm like, I have never seen him so excited to see me. And then I'm nearly sweating because I'm panicking. Why is he so excited to see me? Is he expecting the burger? I don't have a burger. So I get out of the van and I'm confident. I drop my Wendy's bag and, and Tim's like, yes! And, and I said, um... That's my baked potato. I said, you could have it if you want. And he goes, no, you're joking me, right? And I said, I'm, I'm not joking. And, and he goes, what are you talking about? He almost started to cry. And, and I said, Tim, Keith told me, I thought he was getting pizza, and, 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 then, and then he told me that he got you a sandwich. He goes, never listen to Keith. <laughs> he got a steak sandwich for Tim. Tim knew I was bringing him food. So Tim took two bites out of it and then handed the rest to Pastor Steve Lombardo. He goes, oh, I don't need that. I've got food coming. So Tim, he gets hangry, too. He didn't get it. And, he, and so I, I literally get in the car to go. He goes, no, stop, stop. It'll be better because I could yell at, at, at Keith. So I didn't get him a burger. Now the next week, last this last Monday. I go to Wendy's again on my way to the pastor meeting. This time I just get a, a Diet Dr. Pepper. And I'm like, I'm getting Tim food. I don't care what he's eating. So I buy him a, a cheeseburger, a double stack. And see, when I get a burger, I always get it plain. But for Tim, I get everything on it. He usually eats my garnish. And, and, and so, so I just get a regular burger, I start on my way, and then I realize Pastor Keith has canceled our meeting because we have an all-elder meeting uh, in Aurora. So I go to Aurora, and I just go sit there, and I work for a while at Aurora before our, our all-elder meeting. Meanwhile, the burger's in the car. We have pizza at our elder meetings, 
Some of you are elders or elders' wives. You've seen that. And, and so, so the burger just stays out in the car. I then go home. I've got this burger still. I put it in the fridge, the one I got from Pastor Tim. Now, I would never get a burger that had anything, only cheese. My daughter Molly is exactly the same like her, like her daddy. She just likes a plain cheeseburger. Well, if it's in the fridge, it's free game for anyone to take. Molly grabs the burger, is excited because she's got lunch today. She takes it to school, throws it in the microwave, heats it up, blindly takes a huge bite, and everything's on it. <laughs> Highly unexpected. Molly then hands it to her friend. Her friend eats it all down. Funny story, long way to tell it, but Molly blindly trusted in what her dad, what her father was providing. And, and you see, that's a very small illustration compared to what God has promised, what God provides, what God does. And, and how do you move forward in your life? How do you trust in the things that you have not seen at all? And we do this all the time. We trust in the water that we drink, right? You just go drink water from the, uh, from the water spigot back there. You, you, you'll go and stop and get some food. Uh, you'll drink the coffee at Starbucks or Casey's. You'll trust that your doctor, when he says you need to have an emergency apodectomy, that you just get the surgery. Allie, the other day, a couple weeks ago, had her wisdom teeth taken out. We just trusted the dentist. The dentists uh, around the world have done that millions of times. This particular dentist, probably hundreds of times, he's removed wisdom teeth. And we blindly trusted. And why? Because experience. Over and over and over, it, it, it's worked out in, in our area, our society. You drink that water, it's fine. You eat that food, it's fine. You're not going to get sick. You go to the doctor, he's going to take care of you. But how do we trust in heaven? How do we trust in, in, in the creation of the world that it was God? In the things that we, we cannot see, the uncertainties We believe in these things because the Holy Spirit has instilled in us this, this tremendous faith. We, we believe in these things because of what we learn from Scripture and the knowledge that we gain. I, I would say that, that we've never seen a glimpse of heaven would it be my bad if I, if I stated that? We just learned uh, Acts chapter 7. Our friend Stephen. Remember Stephen? He was getting killed, and, and he got a glimpse, and, and, and Luke shared it with us. He saw God on the throne and Jesus standing there awaiting the arrival of Stephen. We got a glimpse into heaven. I'm thankful for that. 
We see the example of this uncertainty and things unseen and, 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 and what the author does is he shifts and he says, look at all the elders. That's why I like that word, elders. Look at all those people who have gone before us. They believed not in what was seen, but what was unseen. Complete faith. So I guess that leads us into the third way that we can live our lives with complete faith is when we have courage like those that have gone before us. Abraham. Abraham had so much faith that he, him and his son, they walked up there. He ties them up. He lifts up the, the knife, and he's going to kill them because God told him to. And in Abraham's thought process, and Abraham's complete faith in God, Isaac was going to be resurrected. He didn't know how. He didn't understand it. All he knew is that his descendants were going to be like the stars in the sky. He had complete faith. Moses. Moses' mother, Jacobin. She had complete faith. We talked about that on Mother's Day. Putting a little baby, a three-month-old, into the Nile River. Complete faith that God somehow, I don't know how, I don't know why, but you are going to take care of this. Rahab. Rahab had fear and faith in God Almighty, in Yahweh. And it was counted unto her as righteousness. How about the people crossing the Red Sea? Imagine doing that. We, uh, Hollywood's done some numbers on, on the visual of what that would look like. So that's where you go in your head. I mean, that had to be unbelievable. But they had faith to follow God. Trusting in the certainty of things unseen. It wasn't work that these people did. It wasn't the work that they did. Because you know what? When you look at all these people that we're going to look at over the next, 16, uh, next 15 weeks after this week, they've messed up big time. Look at David. He was an adulterer, a liar, a conniver, a murderer. Yet he, because of his tremendous faith in God, understood that it was by grace alone. He was a man after God's own heart. Well, that's all about God. See, that's the beauty of it. It's all about not the person, but about God, about Jesus Christ. Do you possess the courage to have faith like these people, like any of these people? Do you have the faith that God will bring you through the crisis that you're currently dealing with? That's a great question. Do you have faith that God is in control, God's going to deal with this situation, God has it? God has it. How many times as parents have you said that, don't worry, we got you taken care of? I remember I would freak out about 
when my parents' windshield wipers would go super fast. But I was okay because my dad was driving. Maybe I wouldn't be if my mom was driving. But my dad was driving and I was safe. I was okay. It was going to be taken care of. Many times, just the snuggling of your little child or, or, or the love that you're providing, it just comforts them. They understand. And that's what God is. That's the faithfulness in God. Do you have faith that God will provide you strength to overcome whatever is continuously coming at you? Yes. God can take care of it. But do you have the faith? Do you rest in that? One pastor said, Faith is not a power which you possess to create your own future. Faith is a God-given ability to trust the future that God has promised you. Faith is, is the ability to trust the future that God has promised you. What is that future? No idea. No idea. You don't either. None of us can predict our future. Nobody can predict their future, but God already knows your future. And when you rest in him and you put your faith in him, so be it. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Do you trust that Jesus Christ has lived and died and been resurrected for you? God has promised you eternal life with him. If that's true, if you believe in that, you have been promised eternal life. We go back to John Patton. What did he say? I confess to you that I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus. It will make no difference whether I'm eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. In that great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. That is what it's all about. That's letting your faith be, this is who I am because I love God. Do I want to continue to mature in my love and, and understanding of, of God the Father and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit? By all means. But I live by faith in God, knowing that he has promised wonderful things. He has promised eternity to live with him. And that is a glorious thing. Lastly, lastly, we can live our lives with complete faith when we have our lives centered on the word of God. Verse 3, one more time. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that, is, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. John 1, I immediately thought of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of the men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Genesis says, let there be light, and there was light. The Word of God very special and frankly I put my complete faith in the word of God it drives my life 
It literally drives my decisions. Now, I, I fail that all the time. I am a sinner. But I study and I, I love reading God's word. Because it changes me. Sharper than any two-edged sword, it affects my life. It can pierce me like nothing else. Do you love it? Do you trust it? I remember when I was in college, I think I've told you this story before, my roommate, I was a freshman in college, my roommate Jason Marlowe, I don't know if he knows this story at all, we were packing our stuff up. Last day, we're literally getting ready to leave. We're packing our stuff up, and some conversation happened, and I said, oh, I, I, don't, I don't believe that part of the Bible is true. Jason turned and looked at me like I had three eyes. He said, what gives you the right? What gives you the wisdom to say what part is true, what part isn't true? How do you know that that's not true and what you're thinking is true is, is fake? He goes, I've been taught that it's all true. That statement that he made, and again, he probably doesn't remember it, it transformed my life. That summer, I spent hours and hours and hours hiding God's word in my heart, understanding it like I've never understood it before. It changed who I was because I dug into God's word and just said, I don't know this. Teach me, Holy Spirit, teach me. And I just dug into God's word. I met with people. I studied with them. I, I sat around pastors. I listened to everything I could listen to because I yearned to learn God's word, knowing that I didn't have the answers. That was probably crucial. That was when I understood I didn't know everything. So I, I just asked to learn. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. The word of God is absolutely powerful. Psalm 119.89 Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Psalm 119.105 You know this one. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is absolutely powerful. More than appreciating that God's word was perfect, that's that summer, I think I finally understood that the word of God, the light of the world, was Jesus Christ. That he was the word. That he, he, he was. And I knew that, uh, that I may find difficulties in my life. That, that I might find myself making mistakes that, that can't be reversed. I may even do things that cause havoc and in other people's lives. But if I find myself resting in the assurance of my faith, my faith, remember I, faith as a noun? Rest in your faith. 
faith in God the Father. My faith is in the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. My faith is in the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. My faith is in the Logos. My faith is in the living word of God. My faith is is in the man who is fully man, fully God at the same time. I have complete faith that Jesus came to reveal God to man and to redeem all who believe him for their sin. That's where I, I rest my faith. I trust that I will spend eternity with him because of my faith. Because of my untiring desire to serve the king. I am completely faithful to God knowing that I'm not completely faithful to God. Knowing that I don't possess the strength and the power and I need God to do it. I need the Holy Spirit to help. I believe that grace has been provided by Jesus Christ. And you know, all these heroes of the faith, they trusted in that too. Even before Jesus stepped one foot officially on the ground as being fully man, fully God, they trusted in the promises that God offered. We have the the unbelievable ability to look backwards in time and see that Jesus has come, and we prepare in a faithful way for his return, trusting that what we do here is for his glory to honor him. No matter how many times we mess up, we can keep coming back because we live and we die by a graceful God, a God who gives us full grace. That's an awesome thing. Put your confidence in God. Trust in what God has already done, what he's promised to do. Look unto the elders and see how they have had tremendous courage and to allow their faith to guide their steps. And friends, lean into the word of God. Lean into it. Don't pull away from it. Lean into the word of God, making it the center of every possible decision that you can. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen?